Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire Johnson. I'm here with Nico, Nicholas Leger, or do you want people to know your real name? My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, Nicholas Leger or Nico. Yeah, so, yeah, he goes by Nico. And uh, we're going to talk today about running a studio and also... I'm going to spring this on him about just ask him a couple of questions about uh, a label. Yeah. About have, having your own label. But uh, I just wanted to introduce you all to Nico. And he is um, pretty much a staple here in the Washington, D.C. area community, <laughs> music community. He's been had a studio. He'll tell you all the details. But uh, how long have you had your studio? Um, uh, Two thousand three is when I opened it up to the public. Goodness, yeah, wow, yeah, that's, that's a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, just just uh, I- I'll let him tell you about himself. Um, but he's he's had an interesting career as going this far and you know hopefully it keep, keeps rolling and gets even well not as interesting in terms of <laughs> some other craziness but uh <laughs> interesting in terms of the projects and all those things so uh yeah hopefully his his, his he just keeps to continuing to grow and he'll, he'll tell you all about how that that process is but uh uh just, just give a backstory on yourself and then you can sort of if you want to dovetail into how you started the studio sure um Backstory. I don't know how far you. Uh, okay, let's make it quick. Uh, I'm French, <laughs> but I was born and raised uh, in uh, West Africa. Uh, my dad was an architect and worked his entire career in Africa from the 50s on to the 90s. So I was born there, Ivory Coast. I grew up in Kinshasa in, in what is now the DRC. Uh, and um, it was wonderful. Um, and then. Um, I started my musical education then, played a lot of Baroque music, um, chamber music. I was playing the recorder, alto recorder. And then around high school, I discovered um, something that, would, that just uh, became popular at the time, which was MIDI. And uh, a friend came to show me a flight simulator on his computer. And then he said, oh, uh, one more thing before I leave. I got this keyboard here. You can plug it to that interface and came with this software, it was like a basic sequencer, and I was just really, really <laughs> blown away that you could do uh, a whole band in a box and put up, you know, create a bass line, a beat, and chords, and, and that was it. I mean, from then on, I just... And that was also the first time I, re- I realized, you, you know, you can make your own music. You don't always have to play um, compositions by famous composers. <clears throat> so that was really, really... When I got hooked, and I never stopped. You basically, know, you, you know you're showing your age, man. Why? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm 45. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but it's exciting because uh, I really am a child of uh, of of the computer age, um, and I I saw the transition away from from um, analog sound. But you right. know what's exciting is and and also incredibly uh, I mean frustrating to me uh, is how long it's taken for. For for most people to accept the fact that you could do just as well in the box as you can 
as you can, you know, with a hundred and fifty thousand dollar SSL board, you know, and and it's amazing how I notice some people have a hard time trusting their ears. So you know, you work with somebody they don't know you from Adam and you think, well just listen to my mixes and if they're good then that's all you need to know. But exactly. for, for, for 10 years, people were asking me why I was using Cubase and not Pro Tools. I'm like, it doesn't matter because I'm right, smart. Right. That's why, because, you know, I, <laughs> I don't want to pay twice as much for the same plugin, uh, that, exactly. you know. Um, and, um, and, then, and then for a while, people are like, oh, you don't have a mixer? I'm like, no, I don't have a mixer. But, you know, and then only like two years ago, uh, Andrew Sheps uh, finally said that he's going all in the box. And I'm like, well, if Andrew Sheps does it, Maybe case closed. You know, I don't want to debate right, anymore right. on why you love your analog gear. Like, dude, no. Um, uh, there is a way if you if you love that sound, and I'm sh- and I agree that it's dope. Uh, you know, the industry has spent the plugin manufacturers have spent ten years trying to decipher replicate. and replicate every yeah. single process and every single steps of the signal flow to give you that sound and 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 um and the advantage is you know you can open up a session in 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 30 seconds and be right back where you started so you can fly between projects and you don't have to sit, spend three hours with your notes resetting all the knobs the way they were and it's just done we're done you know i mean if you've already invested you know half a million dollar in in stacks and stacks of hardware uh good for you um and of course you have a vested interest in saying that it sounds so much doper than anything else and right right and uh and 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 of course you're attached to, to your gear and 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 so keep using it it's it's amazing and there's something to be said for yeah, like two SSL boards don't sound the same, and two pieces of gear don't sound the same. But um, but yeah, but you know, don't 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 uh, uh, you know and, don't and, don't hate on the on the on the on the electronics. I mean, on the on the, on right, the software right, side right. of things. But we and, digress. And the other, the other <laughs> argument uh, that people make is you're you're mixing all of this down into two earbuds. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the other part. That's the other part. But but that part I understand, you know, um, just because the end result is going to be made public and available and compressed, I mean, you know, in terms of data, it doesn't mean that that you have to, that it's good to work with low quality audio. Right, um, right. So just like in graphics, you know, you can, even though you're going to stream it on Netflix, you still need that 4K camera or red or like so that you can capture all the nuances of the light coming into the exactly. lens. That's yeah. so. So yeah. Uh, so that part I totally get. I, I totally get. So so back so back to your uh, your origin story, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> yeah, sorry for the digression. <laughs> um, so yeah. You, so you you grew up in uh, in in Zaire, um, a DRC, yeah. and then and then how'd you get to the states? And then well, you got inspired, of course, by the uh, the MIDI technology. And then getting to the states, what um, what sort of led you on the path to basically build your studio? Um, I I applied to college. I didn't know what to do in with my life. I was seventeen, and, you know, and I, I got into college here in the U.S. Um, and I always was attracted to this country. Um, it just seemed to have such a different outlook on on life and and what uh, what mankind can do uh mm-hmm. if you got the right 
the right dream, you know? And so, and so, yeah, I, I was so happy to, to get into college here and I came here and uh, I continued throughout, you know, to do music in my room, my studio and my gear, uh, you know, uh, um, improved and, and grew. Uh, but I focused uh, in college on, on music theory. I, I, I was a music major, um, but it wasn't really, I didn't go to a conservatory. So it was m much more theoretical and much more research and writing papers. Mm -hmm. But I learned a lot about the orchestra instrumentation and, and, uh, and I, and I, and I had a good relationship with a, a fantastic mentor who, who opened my, my world to, uh, to all kinds of good things. And, um, then eventually I stayed in grad school because I thought it might be nice to have a, a master's degree uh, if I wanted to have a backup plan like uh, I don't know like teaching for example it would be nice to have some kind mm -hmm. of a some kind of a credential and I also wanted to learn more really I just felt like I only scratched the surface um, uh, so so armed with a master's degree in music um, I took my very first gig. gig. Uh, I, I started to produce house music uh, with a DJ friend of mine and uh uh, and we would uh, do like deep soulful house music with lots of live instrumentation and I'd play flute and saxophone so we would lace it with uh, either like Manu Dibango style uh, horn sections mm -hmm. you know or or Latin jazzish flute solos and and uh, we had fun doing that and, and then we would do it live and, and so we got a gig at a club now defunct club uh, called Red which was dedicated to underground dance music which was like kind of like U-Haul is now um, but uh, but you know Know, ten years before, and um, and so we. And that's where our paths crossed. Yes, I got a residency there, <laughs> and so that's when. Um, yeah, so that residency led to other residencies in clubs, and so for six, seven years, yeah, I was, uh, I was playing a lot every weekend in clubs and producing music for the club, and and then testing it live, and and uh, and um, yeah, and that got that got me to meet um, uh, a guy named Taha, who was a DJ, uh, is a yeah. DJ, and um, yeah, this guy was became kind of like a brother from another mother, and we we worked for almost. Ten years together, and great um, guy. yeah, great yeah. guy. Nice shout out to Taha. Shout out to Taha DJT. <laughs> um, definitely. Uh, so with Taha, we, we we produced some some more music, and we signed uh, our first album to a, a, a label in London. Um, and that that was you know around 2003. So I had a day job. I was coding websites, and and at night I was burning the midnight oil, making either making or performing music, and. Um, and after, after you know, so first we licensed some of our stuff to 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 American labels, and then we got a, a whole album deal with with a, a, an indie label in London. <clears throat> and that it felt like okay, you know, um, it, this is kind of working. Like I'm, I, I, right, I, I, right. I don't I don't I don't completely suck. People actually like what I do. Um, <laughs> and um, and then I was starting to so so that's when I made the switch. It was 2003. I was a web developer, and um, uh, I I quit that job and uh, and went and and you know also lost 90% uh, of my paycheck <laughs> overnight. <laughs> uh, so that was not fun, but. Um, but uh, I felt like if I didn't do it, then I would I would not do it later. Uh, and so, right, right. so yeah. So 2003, I had some kind of, of recognition as a producer, uh, and since I was mixing all my tracks, um, people started to ask me who was mixing my tracks, and I 
realize, oh, well, if if the mixing is good enough, then maybe I can help other people with their music. Um, and and that's when I quit my job, opened the sweet spot um, to the public, and started to to um, yeah to make music full time. So it doesn't hurt that you had a nice location. <laughs> a nice location, TV yes. To begin with, yes, that is true. And, uh, that, yeah, so that and 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 you had the foresight to uh, to make that place look the way it does, have the feel the way it does, and. Uh, and and just because your mix sounds great um, and and you're great at it, you know pe- people will will ask you just on on that to to mix their projects. But um, it when you create a actually a sort of experience mm. when you're recording, um, you you had that that other level of of, uh, of thinking put into building your studio. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um... There's a lot of psychology in music, and there certainly is tons of psychology in a studio because it's it's a space. It's a space, and therefore, uh, you know, just like if let's let's call it a church for music, right? So, a church has to be a, have a particular vibe, a particular architecture to mm-hmm. inspire. A group of people to get spiritual and to come together to celebrate um, and so, and to be thoughtful and it's the same kind of thing for for any kind of of, of space it, it it comes with it's loaded with energy and a studio has to be has to be conducive to making music so so luckily because it's just an extension of of, of the space that I wanted to create for myself I kind of I kind of understood what it is to be a musician you know from one side of the mm-hmm. of the of the mic and then from to be an engineer on the other side of the mic and i just always keep that in mind with every decision i make for the sweet spot um and um so there are there are certain decisions about you know the fle- the, the space must be flexible logistically uh, uh, efficient, so that you can have multiple uses of it. Um, right, right. So you got to think about those aspects of things, but you have to think about um, the comfort. Um, so the sweet spot is in my home, therefore it has this naturally homey feel, and I'm kind of into you know feng shui and 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 design and. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I put that in there. So it, and then of course I mean to quality sound. So I put good gear in there and good acoustic treatment on the wall. So all of it, all of all of it, come combines. And of course you're right. Yeah, there's this this location I'm in, which is kind of not far from downtown DC, right off the Beltway, and yet surrounded by trees. And it feels like you can disconnect. Right. I mean that's why I moved in here. It's because when I saw the space with the little backyard and it just felt like a good place for me to make music i i could i could mm-hmm. feel you know and i felt okay so if i feel this probably others will too and it turns out it's the case um so yeah yeah absolutely um creating a space that's conducive and you know it's funny because um some people might not feel the space at all and then then this is not i mean it's rare but it happens i mean for right, example right, right. if you're if you're into uh i don't know the Again, it's, just, it's 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 everybody's you know has got their own thing. But. Yeah, st- stylistically, some some music, some people, you know, in terms of the music that they're making, they need to feel a certain way. Exactly, and so and, like uh, if you're into, uh, yeah. into dive bar, uh, 
um, you know, industrial, um, heavy metal kind of thing, grunge, then you might feel like this is too clean and too nice. There's not enough of that old beer smell and, you know, where's my dirt and my grime, you know? Uh, uh, If that's what you want, then you come to the wrong place you know uh, but um but yeah but yeah it's yeah it's, it's a it's a beautiful spot to record in and uh and for most musical styles i would say that it, it fits the, the the bill in terms of being able, able to make a certain make, find your space yeah. and, and make the best music that you can make so what would you say would be um some of the biggest challenges in running your studio so challenges in running a spot um I would say the, the biggest challenge is to stay afloat. Um, that's it. You know, um, mm-hmm. I see a lot of studios. So here's the thing: if you if you open a, a recording studio in a commercial space that's not your home, um, the advantage is, is you'll have plenty of parking, and um, people will think you're legit because you got a commercial space. I guess you know because some people mm-hmm. at first come here and they're like. Uh, are you recording out of your home, dude? I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I have a studio in my basement, but just come to the basement uh, and then you'll see. (laughs) So, um, so, so the plus is it it looks more legit and you can have super flexible hours, I guess you can, you know, you don't have to bother any neighbors. Okay, cool. But you also have to come up with thousands of dollars of rent every month. And that means you have got to, make numbers you know and so that means you you may not have the luxury of saying you know what i don't want this kind of musicians in my space um you know what i'm not going to do this type of music um um you know you're just going to be like yes whatever it is i will do it you know um and so so that's just you know that's a downside, uh, but but either way, yeah. If you open a commer- if you open a, a studio and that's your life, you still have to obviously have enough business to keep on going. Uh, I just know that I would not have been able to uh, go full time after having a nice career as a web developer for like five five years. That was paying the bills. That's how I got the house, you know, and that's was how I invested mm-hmm. in the gear. And if I'd if I'd, uh, I wouldn't have been able to pay a mortgage and a, uh, a commercial space uh, lease um, when I did. Right, right. The same thing. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, so, yeah. I highly encourage um, people, especially if if you have your own space that you can customize. It's more important to. It's. I think it's strategically better to if you're going to take a mortgage, take a mortgage and buy a house. And then know that half of the house is going to be dedicated to a studio this way. From this point on, any investment you make in your space is also benefiting your house. So it just makes sense. You know, right, all right, the energy comes right. back to you getting stronger and offering better services to, 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 uh, for the people that come work with you. Plus, it's a tax write-off. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the only downside yeah. is, of course, then you know, if you have an infant uh, and you're doing a lot of heavy metal, you better have good soundproofing, <laughs> or 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 trap for that matter. Uh, so yeah, so you just have to negotiate that with. If you have a family life, you know, it has to. You have to create boundaries. For me, that means I, I used to be open twenty four seven and to take sessions until three in the morning, and now I'm right. like, sorry guys, if you can't, if can't, you can't, can't do it. yeah, I can't do it. You know, I'm yeah. I'm. I'm I have more of a, of a work-life balance these days, uh, which is normal. Yeah. You, know, you start and you do everything and anything you can, and then eventually you just decide, okay, 
I've paid my dues. I'm continuing to work hard, but I also have to, um, you know, have a family and, 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 mm -hmm. and go jogging. Otherwise, I'm going to go crazy here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, work-life balance. That's, that's actually a very key thing you all need to pay attention to. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are really just uh, just losing on that side and they, they just keep grinding and grinding and then fi finally there's nothing left. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. In fact, there's, but, uh, a, there's a recent article, uh, there was a recent talk about that uh, on NPR um, wow. about, about the American work ethic and how it's so cool here when you say, dude, I've been working 14 hours straight. And in France, they'd be like, um, you must be doing something wrong, man. You know, nothing <laughs> exactly. is this hard. You know, you did you did you take time to eat? You didn't. Then I know your brain is half asleep. So don't tell me you worked 14 right. hours because I know you're just brain dead right now. You got to take care of yourself, you know, and sometimes you moved around <laughs> and some and especially for music, because music feeds off of your life experiences. So if all you do is lock yourself in a room and make beats, um, where does your Where does your life experience, what is it that you're feeding into your right, music? Right. You know, you got to yeah. have fun with your friends. You got to go on a trip. You got to see a new city you've never seen before. You got to do all these things um, so that it feeds your music. It inspires you. You got to read books. You got to, you know, it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to, to grow grow your mind and your, your spirit yeah. so your music will grow. I agree. Yeah. 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 So just briefly, yeah. uh, before we... we uh, wrap up some of this i wanted you to go into talking about the studio the, not the studio the label how you started your label um sort of what what got you off the ground and uh i know you were sort of inspired by starting the label because things were sort of happening yeah but um what what uh what were the other things thought processes going in, into your mind in terms of well, i should just basically start a label yeah the 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 thought process was um I can do this. Why would I need to share all this profit from, uh, not, the, not all this profit, but you know, I mean, like th this large chunk of whatever I mm -hmm. make, which is not huge. And, uh, and then I'm splitting this 50 50 or, or worse with a label. And so I thought, um, yeah, what we can do this, you know, uh, and it was Taha and I and, and some other people and, 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 uh, yeah, the owning your music, being free to do what you want with it and, and, and reaping all the rewards was the, 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 the inspiration. Right, um, right. I have to be completely honest and say that, um, there, you know, I didn't, what I did not understand And, and the reason why I only did it for five, six years and then I pulled the plug is that uh, it's, a, it's a job. It's a, it's a, right. a full-time right. job. And so you want to make your own label, that's great, but you might not make that much music afterwards because marketing music, selling music, distributing music, finding licensing opportunities for music. Yeah. I just said three full-time jobs there. And then as a small label manager, you try to do all these three jobs while you're producing music and helping other people produce music so that you have content for your label. And I, I did this and I did it badly. You know, um, 
the music was still pretty good, I think, but I don't have a nag. I, re I just realized it took me trying to do it to realize I, I don't have a nag for sales or marketing. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so, and so I, I, which is great because I learned to respect people like that. That craft. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and to know that you can't look down on, on salespeople because if they don't sell your music, you, nobody's going to hear it. And then what? Right. It doesn't matter how great you are. You, 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 it's time to talk about this thing. People, most people are clueless. I mean, the average consumer. Mm -hmm. They don't have any taste. They just believe what people sell them. And, and it's sad and cynical to say that, but, but it's true. I mean, there are people who love music and, and they can recognize beauty, even if it's got a shitty packaging. But most mm -hmm. people can't do that, okay? And so... And so, you know, obviously, you need to be really good in order for people to... I mean, you you got to have something for people to sell. You know, I, some people can sell ice to Eskimos, but most people need like a decent... Pro I mean, they'll do better <laughs> if you give them a good product. So I'm not saying it doesn't matter if you're good because the machine will make you a star. No, you right, have right, to right. have your, your act together and you have to have talent and you have to work like crazy at it. But there's this great story about... Um, Joshua Bell, who is a virtuoso violin player, like a mm -hmm. monster, you know, like world stages, touring the world, doing it since he was like a 17-year-old prodigy. So he went to D.C. in the metro station and he played for half an hour or like a couple of hours. And he got like mm -hmm. a couple of dollars. Okay. Nobody stopped to listen. And he said, at one point, there's this little kid who was probably like me small, who like his mom was taking him all somewhere and he's just stopped and he's like mom mom this is amazing and of course the mom is like busy you know and she can't tell that it's right, awesome right, right. and drags him along like come on you know like you've got stuff to do and he's like no but this is beautiful <laughs> you know and this is this is an example you know people are busy they don't really have their own taste and so so it's really really important to work with people who are great at reaching audiences for you mm -hmm. at, at uh, you know and you still have to have all your act together you have to respond to phone calls you have to return emails you have to be accessible you have to have your profile you have to have your your sdk you, you know um you, you all of these yes but then you also have to have a team that uh supports and sells your music for you and that's what a label does if they're good at it they do it well and it's worth them taking a portion of your the proceeds from your from your record sales or your career right, it right. makes total sense and you got to respect that so that's what i've so learned from trying to make a, a label happen it, <laughs> it's a it, uh, it's a beautiful explanation and i thank you for it because i think a lot of people out there uh they have the the grandiose idea of i need to start a label mm -hmm. or you know or i want to be a, a label owner having no clue or idea what goes into the effort that goes into building a label, uh, what a label really does oh, yeah. and how that looks in terms of your time and schedule. Oh yeah. Um, you basically, if you're an artist and you want to be an artist and then own a label, that pretty much is not going to fly. That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's so incredibly hard. I mean, I think I, I think I know one person who does the business as well as the, uh, and that's Odyssey. You know, Odyssey right, is, right. is extremely good at being street smart, business smart, and incredibly talented uh, and a great 
performer. Uh, but even him today, you know, he's got a team. Uh, he started out kind of That's handling exactly. everything, but rapidly he he created a team, and 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 so should everybody. You know, you can't. You only have twenty four hours in the day, and you only have so much energy. So. Right, right, yeah, and that's 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 key. So a, a team, if if that's your aspiration, yeah, and I, and and I'm not trying to you know knock down people's dreams because I I definitely want that. That's the whole point of of doing this uh, podcast is to basically show what's out there, what's available, yeah, um, you know what what are some of the pathways to actually getting to the things that you want to do. So if you want to be an artist and own a label then you definitely have to have a team supporting you. Mm-hmm. You got to have backup. Mm-hmm. So that's uh that's one of the key th- takeaways I think that people would would take away from this conversation. But um yeah, and just on the to wrap that that talk up, um what uh why would you say that uh a, a label um what would you actually say that a label is <clears throat> is important to have which should so if you don't start your own label uh, should you sign with a label or should you just be an independent artist? Hmm. It depends uh, what label. I guess, I guess the decision has to be made. First, you need to know the label. You need to really see, okay, what can you do for me? Like, what is your track record? Right, right. What's your team like? Let me connect. Let me talk to all of them. See if, 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 you know, how I vibe with them. They will represent you and your music. So know who you're going to be working with. Know who they've been working for, I mean, with before. Maybe talk to those artists. Hey, how was your experience with this label? You know, right. I've, I've, oh, I've been with them for three years and, and my, my, I used to sell nothing. And now I have like dates lined up for the next six months and I'm going on tour. Okay, there you go. You know, and also mm-hmm. in, in today's music business, which has changed a lot since, uh, since the, the MP3 revolution, um, you know, you can have, look, you can have 1 million play on YouTube and they will give you a whopping $2,000. So you could have, you know what I mean? Like, wow, amazing. So you can really be an internet star and still be broke. Uh, so today, uh, a label makes money off of things that are mother that, that, that didn't make money before, uh, Right, or that right. were not thought of as money makers before it was selling records nobody buys records so and streams don't pay so what is it so a modern record label does you know has to have a strategy that really isn't about selling music it's about selling an image or uh, an experience or or you know things around the persona of the artist and the and the and the and the musical landscape that the artist creates uh, mm-hmm. more than just selling the music that's that's no longer what sell what makes money yeah that's, that's not revenue anymore. so yeah. so you need to do that you need to do your research and 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 understand what or how your label approaches the digital music industry. Yep. Yeah. And then that's, only that's, then will you be able to make a decision as to whether it's worth it for you to try them. And and what I would say is in this day and age, yeah, like unless you're a major label and the major label is going to basically transform your life and invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in your career to make you a star, there is no justification for a lifelong uh, attachment or contract that will go on forever. Like, you know, try it, exactly. try it for your next album, try it for your next EP. Right. And then that's it. If you do well, we'll do more. If you guys suck, I'm out of here. That's it. Mm-hmm. 
That's it. Yeah, and the landscape is changing so so much that you know there's there's no way to tell what's going to happen in the future. Exactly. There's no purpose and reason to sign any long term contract. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful man. Well, this this was uh, this was great. I I learned a lot out of this, and you know, this is it was good to to reminisce on some of the <laughs> the, the old yes. the old stories and, and yes. stuff. So yeah, and, uh, shout out to Taha and yes and the and Odyssey and I, I still love that, but I still play that that project that Avenue Two project. So I, yeah, I, I Avenue Two project was really nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really magical. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, <laughs> well, thanks, Nico. I appreciate you uh, being on the podcast with with us. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably have you back to, Any, to give some updates. Anytime. Sounds good. All right. I'll talk to you soon, Will. Right. Thanks. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening. And we hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. Please leave us a comment on our page. If you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at info at creatingcrimson.com or drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com. If you would like to schedule a consultation session with Creating Crimson, you can fill out the contact form at the bottom of the website at creatingcrimson.com. If you would like registration services for your music project, you can visit makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com and go to the registration services page. Please fill out the contact form and we will get back with you promptly. If you are interested in advertising on our podcast, please send us an email at drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com.